Thank you. Thank you. All right, sweet. Well, uh, glad you guys are here. For real, this is pretty sweet. Um, man, can't believe it. So, we're talking. What are we talking about this semester? Minor prophets, correct. There, some of them are weird. Um, yeah. So tonight we're going to talk about Malachi. It's super easy to find in your Bible. Okay, turn your Bible all the way to Matthew, first book in the New Testament, Matthew one one, and then turn your page back one, and you'll be in Malachi. It's pretty easy to find. Okay. Um, so we're looking at Malachi tonight, and Malachi is so crazy. Um, it's basically like so many crazy things inside of Malachi, and uh, yeah. Before I before I get into the craziness, I'm gonna tell you guys, ask y'all a question: Is anybody here interested or entertained by cooking competitions? Okay, everyone gets excited about. It. I'm not talking about some wimpy cooking show. I'm talking about cooking competition. Okay, so my brother, I have a little brother. This guy's like. He's basically like all the good things like in you know like the cool high school movies like there's always that cool guy but he's not a jerk like he he basically never played any sports he wasn't in any clubs but like pretty much the most popular kid in high school like got voted all this stuff it's so stupid but here's what he was into uh, it makes sense he's amazing but here's what he was into he was into the cooking competitions and I was like what is a cooking competition <laughs> and so he's like no oh, you got to check this out so he like showed me all these cooking competition shows and it's like so funny because they're so popular, right? But what are they? All they are is just cooking. Like that seems so boring, but they're always like so dramatic, right? So you're watching the show and it's like they always have to have like emotion, right? And, yo, I don't know if this surprises you. When I watch TV, I'm not trying to get emotional, okay? But this is what they always do. They're always like, oh, you know, they'll, they'll be like, oh, make this pe peanut butter and jelly. And it's like it'll get like the sad music. And it's the interview, it's just them, and they're like, you know, my great, 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 great grandmother probably made a peanut butter and jelly one day, and so this is for her. And it's like, and it's like, oh, that's so beautiful. Like, you never even met, this lady was dead way before you were ever born. Like, this isn't honoring. It's just so silly. <laughs> but it's like, and they're just making some dumb sandwich. But they are very intriguing, and they're fun to watch. I enjoy watching them. So that's all this emotion gets into it. And it's so funny because it's like it doesn't make any sense. Like you're watching cooking, but then there's all of a sudden like a bad guy, right? Because of the way he acts, it's like a villain. <laughs> it's like, oh, I don't want that guy to win because he's a – I don't know why, but I just don't like him. And then there's always like this kind of like – I guess you could call him like a lovable loser, right? Like he's he's like always at the bottom, but for some reason like he like fumbles his way into like undercooking it less than the next person or something like that. So it's like – Dude, just get rid of both of them. Don't just pick one. He's he's terrible. So I'm watching it the other day, and this guy's like, he's that guy, okay? He's like, it's like, dude, this guy needs to leave. Come on. And so he, I think he's making, like, pork. So it's, like, pretty, like, it's not easy to cook, okay? And so essentially what he does is he undercooks, sorry, he, he finishes his stuff. He takes it to the front. And, you know, it's like one light on this one plate it looks like doesn't look that good to me because i don't like eating that fancy food but it's like what's gonna happen and so you know this this like world-renowned chef or whatever 
starts cutting into it, and he's like, what do you think is going to happen? And then he goes to a commercial, and you're like, God, just cut the stupid pork chop. Like, let's go. And so it's so funny. And so what he does, and I remember this, this is, like, so funny. He goes, he cuts it, and this thing is, like, raw. Like, not undercooked. Like, this thing is, it's like oinking, basically. And and he asked the guy, and this is, like, I, I was, like, baffled. So he asked the guy, he's like, hey, do you think that that's okay? And he's standing there, and he's like, oh, oh, yeah, 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 that looks good, that looks good. And he's like, come on, you got, come on, this would you eat this? And they never asked that. He's like, would you eat this? And he was like, oh, yeah, actually, that's how I like it. Like, that's how I like it cooked. And he was, he's like, he just throws on the ground. He's like, if you ate that, if I ate this, I would go to the hospital, right? And he's like, there's no way. Did you actually think that you cooked this correctly? And he's like, oh, yeah. And he, like, never, ever owned up to it, right? And he's just like, gosh, man, just, just leave. Like, go away. Get off this show. And it was so funny to me. And I was like, man, this guy, like, never owned up to anything. He never, he just, like, he wouldn't do, he wouldn't say what the guy was asking him, right? And then I'm thinking, like, man, I do this, like, all the time, right? Like, uh, y'all have been there where you go, you, go to the, you go to the gym. You're like, oh, dude, I, I went to the gym today. And then it's like, all right, if anybody asked you, like, hey, what would you do at the gym? You, don't, you would never say what you actually did because you're like, well, I sat down on the bike, I sat on the bike, started watching Sports Center, and I, you know, I got up and went home. Like you never actually did something, or, um, you know, you, you like read the book or you did the homework, right? You're like, oh yeah, I totally read the book, and it's like, all right, well, what's it about? Answer this one question about the plot, like a main thing, and you're like, ah, uh, can I see that book real quick? I just don't remember, and like all this stuff always happens. And what we do when we when we do these things and what this guy did was like because he didn't own up to it, he like he was basically like cheating himself. Right. Like if he would have just said, oh, yeah, I did it wrong. Maybe they would have said like, all right, man, well, here's what you did wrong. Let's learn from it. Or if you go to the gym, you waste your time. You're going through the motions, all this stuff. You're like always cheating yourself. And you're like you're basically robbing yourself of a good workout or a good book or like learning something. Does that make sense? So in Malachi. This happens too, okay? So let's pray real quick. We'll jump in. Jesus, we love you. God, would you speak to us? Would you help us to be able to be spoken to, Lord Jesus? Would you open our ears? Help us to hear your voice tonight, God. Would you speak through me? Lord Jesus, would you speak through your word? We love you. In your name I pray, amen. So Malachi, all this step, ha- oh, there's cooking competitions in Malachi, basically. Um... So Malachi is really cool. It's uh, it's the last book in the Old Testament, okay? And historically, nothing, essentially nothing is known about this guy. Um, there's no narrative. It's a really funny book. Uh, there's no narrative. It's just like God says this, and then it, it basically is just like a one, essentially like a one-sided conversation God is having through this prophet Malachi, which is like pretty crazy. Um, it's the last thing that God said for over 400 years um the very next thing he the very next person he speaks through is john the baptist um and it's it's about 400 years later so this is essentially god saying hey i'm going to tell you one last thing and i want you to work on this until the next time i talk to you okay so this is like i read this and i was like this 
probably pretty important because if God's like last words, essentially, he says, maybe you should probably listen. Yeah. So I was like, oh, let's figure this out. Um, another thing about Micah, Malachi, I keep saying Micah and it's not. That is my friend, not this prophet. Malachi. Yeah, it's just it's just crazy. So I'm going to set the scene for this book, okay? Um, so like we've talked about all semester, the minor prophets are men who God is using to speak to his people. Um, he's speaking through them to his people, um, the Israelites, correct? Okay. Um, and this is kind of the history the nation of Israel was captured or overtaken by the nation of Babylon, okay? And what they did was they said, all right, we're going to chain you all up, and we're going to take you over here. Imagine your whole country just getting taken over, and then you have to leave, like, hundreds and hundreds of miles away. Basically, if <laughs> Panama took over America and then forced everyone to move into Panama, it's about that far away. So imagine that. So they go to Babylon. They're sitting there. They, like, build their lives. It's not that bad. Um, and then and then Babylon kind of disassembles, and Persia takes over. And when Persia takes over, they have an awesome king called Cyrus. And he basically says, hey, you can go home if you want, okay? You can go home if you want. And... Some people decide to, and some people are like, hey, it's not that bad here. I'll stay. And so the people that go home, which is Jerusalem, they go back to Jerusalem, and they find it completely destroyed. Like, they call it a pile of rubble. So imagine you come back to Morgantown after Thanksgiving break, and it's just gone. And you're like, what? <laughs> Where am I even supposed to go into? Like, what am I supposed to do? So that's what they did. And the cool thing about these Israelites is that they built God's house first, and then they built their own house, okay? They built God's house first, and then they built their own house. So they sound like pretty good guys. Um, and what's funny is they really aren't sinning as bad as they used to. There's no child sacrifice that we know of, no temple prostitution that we know of. Um, they're just kind of like living their life. They're doing what God asks them to do for the most part. Um, and then all of a sudden, this is Micah 1, 6 through 8, Malachi. I'm going to, hey, just get used to it. I'm going to say Micah. Accidentally, Malachi 1, 6 through 8. God says, a son honors his father and a servant his master. If I am a father, where is the honor due me? If I'm a master, where is the respect due me? Says the Lord God Almighty. It is you who show contempt for my name. But you ask, how have we shown contempt for your name? Stop there. Um, yeah, and so basically all these people are doing what's right. They're like, God, this is what you asked us to do. This is what you've uh, basically instructed us to do. We're doing what you ask. Why are you, why are you all up in our business essentially? And God says, you defiled me. You profaned my name. You polluted my altar. You robbed me. And, and, and every time the people are saying, when did we do this, God? And when I, it was, this, this is crazy. When you read the Bible, sometimes you, you're like, God, is everything okay? Right? Have any, has anybody done that? Okay, I've done this before. And I'm like, okay, 
this doesn't really add up, so I need to figure something out. So when I first started reading this again a couple weeks ago, I read it the first time, and I was like, dang. I read these verses, and I was like, man, God kind of sounds like, hear me rightly, like God kind of sounds a little bit whiny. And so I read it the first time, and then I was like, all right, well, I'll figure this out. So I read it again, and I was like, kind of still sounds the same way. I read it a third time, and it started to sound different. And the Lord started to speak to me. I read it a fourth time, probably read it five times before I was like, okay, Lord, that, that makes a lot of sense. And so this is what the Bible's like. The, the only downside of the Bible is that it is sometimes difficult to, underst- to hear correctly the tone of God. Okay? Hear correctly the tone of God. So this is what it looks like. When you get a text message from one of your, from one of your best friends, like one of your most solid friends, then they don't get, you know, um, outrageously angry all the time. It's like just one of your most solid, level-headed friends. And you get a text message, and you're like, oh, sweet. What are we doing? And then you read it, and you're like, why are they so mad at me? This doesn't make sense. This seems out of character for them to say this to me. So what do you do? You text back, and you're like, you're like what did I do wrong, right? Or what's your problem, right? Usually, what you should do is call them back and say, hey, I think I read this wrong. <laughs> what's up? Like, what's going on? Can you just say what you meant to text me? And that's the thing. When you read the Bible, in order for us to read the Bible rightly, we have to know God's character. Because when you know his character and you hear his tone and they don't match up, then you know something's wrong. And it's probably in the reader. Does that make sense? Cool. So. That's what we're going to do with Malachi. We're going to read through this in the correct tone. So I need one person's help. You don't have to read anything. You really just have to answer a couple of questions. Just one person. Anybody. Any. Come on. Yeah, come on. Give it up. Sweet, Alec. Okay, I'm going to ask, even though I know the answer to these questions, not everybody does, okay? So what is your name? Alec. Alec, good to meet you. Where are you from? Cecil County, Maryland. There we go. Is anybody else from there? What? You're not. That's cool. No, I believe you. Somebody else said they're from there. That's not true. Um, <laughs> fact check. Sweet. Do, okay, do you have any friends who are here? Two friends. Name two of your friends that are here. Um, um, okay, so Damani's raising his hand, and Brandon's raising his hand. Awesome. Damani and Brandon. All right, Alec, I need you to answer me honestly, okay? Can you do this? For real? Okay. This is a giveaway. And this, y'all are going to be jealous because this is a big-time giveaway. There's a prize at the end, okay? Everybody should have been raising their hand for this one. Okay, I have two options. This is a game show, basically. I have two options. Well, you know, you get to know what's in them. Okay? So I have a red pen for grading. Okay? And I have a brand new Apple Watch. Which would you prefer? I don't wear watches, so I'll take the pen. Okay. Let's say you you really choose. Which would you choose? I'll take the watch. Okay. Watch. Why? 
Because it's I can sell it for more money. <laughs> Honest answer, I would do the same thing. Um, yeah, okay. So the pen, you would say the watch is worth more than the pen. Okay, okay, cool. So you mentioned those two friends. Okay, can we move to the next step of this game? <laughs> next step, here we go. Okay, what were the two friends? Brandon and Damani. Brandon and Damani. Okay, you get two more options, all right? You chose the watch. Still want it. You got it. If you keep the watch, you can keep it, or Brandon and Damani can go outside of this room and live the rest of their lives. Otherwise, they end tonight. Which would you choose? <laughs> Could you repeat that? <laughs> hey, hey, it's the game, okay? This is a high-stakes game. You get the watch, or you get, you get them to have their futures. Basically, li living past this evening. Uh, uh, they they can go. They live. Okay, beautiful, beautiful. Why do you why do you say that? Because it's their lives are worth more to me than a watch. Okay, cool, cool. That's really sweet, right? That makes sense. What? Okay, what about what about not your friends? I'll give you I'll give you double or nothing. Double or nothing. You get you get the watch and they live. Or two people that you've never met in another country, let's say Sweden. <laughs> Don't make it past tonight or tomorrow morning because it's probably later there. Which would you, you get the watch and your friends or they get to live? Can I ask for clarification? Yes. The watch and your friends stay, you choose that, but they don't in Sweden. Or you choose them, you don't get, the friends are fine. They're off the hook. Then I'll, I'll choose them. Okay. Okay, why? Because I don't want anybody to leave. Sweet. <laughs> okay. Thank you. I don't have either. But I will give you a book by one of my favorite authors, Peter Marshall. Read it. Talk about it. Sweet. Y'all give it up for Alec. Okay, I know you guys are scared. I will release those two prisoners after this sermon. Don't worry. It, he made it, okay? We're all good. No, but does that make sense? So basically, man has value, okay? And this is what we say. There's two different types of value. Alec chose man's life, essentially, over an Apple Watch, <laughs> which is valuable. Um, but there's two types of value. One is instrumental, okay? Instrumental value looks like this. It's like a computer, okay? A laptop today has instrumental value because the value that it has is what it does for you, okay? Instrumental value can go up and down. It can waver. So what this looks like, Back in the day, horse-drawn carriages, okay, had a high instrumental value because that's how you got around. Before cars, horse-drawn horse -drawn carriages were big deals, okay? You could probably sell one for a good amount of money. Today, they're antiques. They're kind of 
I mean, except for maybe a couple of us. We haven't really even seen one before. They're they're pretty much trash, right? Yeah. <laughs> My man. Uh, does that make sense? So this instrumental value can fluctuate based on what you can use it for, what its purpose is, all these things, right? An instrumental value can go from you know, very, very high millions of dollars to zero. If you, if you have some, if you have a huge piece of machinery, an airplane that doesn't work, but it costs several million dollars to make and it's irreparable, that's just a junk heap, right? Does this make sense? Okay. Man has something called intrinsic value. Okay. Intrinsic value. This is incredibly important for us to understand. Intrinsic value is the value of a thing within itself. Okay. No matter what society says, no matter what the economy says, this value will essentially stay the same. So man's worth, whether Alec would be just as worth <laughs> as, as intrinsically valuable, whether he has all four of his limbs that work, okay, or two of them, or none of them, okay, he still has the same amount of worth. Does this make sense? Okay, cool, cool. I won't belabor it. So, Alec, your answers were either you are very holy or very lucky because God sees man to have high value too, okay? We say, if you have a high view of God, then you'll have a high view of man. But if you have a low view of God, then you'll have a low view of man. And this is because God's image is on man, okay? God's image is on man, and that's why we have intrinsic value. There's a, the devil wants to see you live a selfish life and die alone. The devil hates you. And the reason he hates you is because he sees in you someone that re he, you remind of him of someone. You remind him of someone that, lo that loves him and that he continues to betray, continues to rebel against, and still has not changed his mind about. But you remind him of that person, and that's because man has God's image stamped on him. So what does that say about God? What does that say about God's value? Pretty high, right? <laughs> if God's image is just on you and that makes you valuable, then that probably means that he's valuable in himself, okay? God says, God thinks he has the right to rule my life, right? Jesus steps in and asks us to follow him and like he's God. And you're like, what are you talking about, right? God's value is found in his being. It's not what he does for you. Someone else could die for you, and they would not be as valuable as God is. Okay? God's value is found in his being. His intrinsic value out, outlasts, outshines anything else that we know. I think there's a quote. It says, anything important Maybe. Yeah, there we go. My friend Winky Prattney, he says, anything important must be worth choosing above something else, which is seen to be not as important. The value of the object in itself creates the reason for us to choose it. All our choices in life are based on this. A concept of value. Said shortly, the intrinsic value obligates. We give preference to what we see as more valuable. We give preference to what we see as more valuable. This is how we make every choice we've ever made. And this is how God makes his choices. 
He sees man as valuable, so he chooses for man. Does that make sense? No? Okay. God lives by a set of rules. It's called the law of love. And God's value, he says, I will choose for myself what is most valuable. What is most valuable to God? Himself. Right? So when God chooses for himself, it's not actually selfish. This is pretty crazy to think about. Please, please try to go here with me. When God chooses for himself, it's actually loving. Because he's choosing the most valuable thing he can. If he chose anything else, it would be basically less. It would be choosing a red pen. Okay? So what does this mean for us? God's value, his intrinsic value in itself, is higher than anything we'll ever understand. So for us, we have to choose, like Winky said, we have to choose something to be our supreme affection. If we choose anything other than God, it's less valuable than what we could choose the most valuable thing. So look at this. If we choose a person or if we choose a major or our grades and we say this is worth giving my life to, this is worth my supreme affection, we're giving, we're giving our supreme affection to something less valuable than we could choose. Does this make sense? We could give it to God who's most valuable. And what's that called? God does it for us. He chooses for himself. He chooses in a loving way to bless us. His value, he says, is, is the most important thing. And so he shows us how to choose the right thing. He shows, us how, he shows us how to choose what's most valuable. God never asks us to do anything that he's not willing to do himself. Okay? God never asks us to do anything that he's not willing to do himself. So when we give our lives to God, or we give our time to God, or our money, this is just choosing the best choice. Okay? This is just choosing what's best for our own good. When we choose God, it's for our own good. And this is what generosity is. Generosity is giving something away and choosing for the highest value of something else. This is what it looks like. Generosity says, it's more important for me to give away something because this, either it's a person or a concept or like a class or anything like that, this is more important than what I have. So I'm going to give something of lesser value to something of greater value. Does this make sense? Cool. So that whole story I talked about the beginning where God asks, why am I not being honored? A son honors his father and a servant his master. He says later on in this, in this book in Malachi 3, 8, he says, will a man rob God? Yet you rob me talked about this earlier we cheat ourselves and when we cheat ourselves we essentially cheat god g Campbell morgan says it this way some men have no business to give a tithe of their earnings they can't afford it and there are men who are robbing god by giving only a tithe of their incomes so there's a story in mark jesus is with his disciples and they're i guess they're at church um, and he says, and there's, and there's two people giving an offering, okay? One of them is essentially a rich businessman, 
and he's giving 10% of his pretty wealthy income, okay? So it's a big, it's a big amount. And then there's an old widow, right? It's probably like bending over with a cane. Um, and she gives two pennies, okay? That's all she gives, two pennies. And Jesus is hanging out with his disciples. He's probably like, hey, who do you think is giving more? And they're like, well, probably the other guy because he's given a lot more than two pennies. And Jesus says, no, 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 no. The woman, because she's giving all that she has. She's not robbing God. She's giving all that she has. This looks like Jesus says, the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field. When a man finds it, he goes and sells all that he has with joy. Not begrudgingly. He doesn't go sell everything he has and he's like, ah, this treasure is going to be really worth it. This sucks. Like he's excited to give all that he has in order for him to gain all that he will gain. And that's what it looks like when we give our whole lives to God. When we love God, our duty becomes our delight. It's no longer work. It's no longer a burden. His love turns everything that we choose into a delight. So, when we, when we look at this, it talks about tithing. And you're like, well, I don't want to talk about money. I don't have any. Okay, that's okay. Because God says the whole tithe, not all the tithe. So back then, they had a tithe of grain, a tithe of fruit, a tithe of meat, a tithe of money. Like all these different tithes. You're supposed to give 10% of anything that you bring in. And God says he doesn't want all the tithes. He wants the whole tithe. And he's asking for more than what you can give. He asks for everything that you have. He asks for everything that you have in order for you to choose what's most valuable. You have to always give everything that you have. You can't just go through the motions. You can't just rob yourself and say, oh yeah, I gave. Isn't that enough? It's, he's asking for everything that you have. And this is the thing. It has to be done. It, it doesn't have to. It's always done with joy. Because when you do this, you realize, I'm actually bettering myself because I'm choosing what's most valuable. Right? That's crazy. God's asking for everything, and when you give it to him, he's asking you to actually benefit yourself. It's pretty sweet. So we've given you guys a lot of opportunities to practically serve, to practically give over the missions, missions month. Talk about AK, 40, or AK for AK. Also AK-47. Um... AK for AK. You guys are probably like giving up stuff, right? Hopefully, you guys are sacrificing in order to make this missions offering happen. You're giving up stuff that you would say is what? Less valuable, right? In order to give towards something that you see has the has supreme value, right? The bank can come on up. Basically, you're giving things that don't really have as much value towards something that has supreme value over anything else you guys might be thinking about mission trips or you know missions missions applications are daunting you're like man this is a lot of time i might have to give up my whole spring break i might have to give up two whole weeks of my summer or four whole weeks of my summer you this is thirty eight hundred dollars this is crazy why would this doesn't make any sense but when we give this to god he's always gonna meet us there god's not unreasonable just as G. Campbell Morgan said, if you could bring that quote back up, he says, some men have no business to give a tithe of their earnings. They can't afford it. 
and there are men who have who are robbing God by giving only a tithe of their incomes. When it comes to generosity, this is what it looks like. It doesn't just mean money. We got to think bigger than that. God's looking for the whole tithe. Okay? He's God's not unreasonable. <laughs> He's not like, "Hey, I know you make 15 cents a week. I want I want tenth of that." Okay? He's asking for so much more than that. He's asking if you if you if you're falling into that category, I don't have a, I don't have a dime in my pocket. I can't give anything. Think about what you can give. Because God's not just talking about money. If you just think he's talking about money, you're robbing him, okay? He's talking about our time. He's talking about our love. He's talking about our talents. He's talking about the gifts that he has already given us that he wants us to give all the way back to him. This may look, this may be a little difficult. You've got Thanksgiving coming up. As you've seen the value of man you might have some people in your family that you're like, uh, is God's image on them? <laughs> right? You go home and you're like, man, my little sister, gosh, I don't think God did. I don't think he stamped her with that. But this is the thing. We have to uncover it. Did you know every time you honor someone, you're adding value to them? Every time you honor someone, you are being generous to them. You're showing them what's godly in them. Every time you honor them. So honoring is a way that you can do this. Another way that you can do this is being Generous with your time. Generous with your free time. Not just the time that you've scheduled, okay? Generous with your free time. Ooh, that hurts. Can't, can't do what I want all the time. That, that's, that's tough. Giving that away is very, very difficult. Time is incredibly valuable because it's irrevocable. You cannot get it back. But it's incredibly valuable because... And, and when we give it away, we're saying, look, you are worth more than I, than I ha- than I've placed value on my time. I want to give this away. What does that look like? It might mean, if you're in a small group, it might mean hanging out with your small group leader. Sometimes they would like to see you outside of small group on Monday night. Okay? Hopefully, this is no one in here, but it probably is. Um, sometimes it means I'm going to actually hang out with my friends instead of being on my phone or doing whatever else I think I need to be doing, right? I'm going to be generous with my time. I'm going to be generous with my presence, okay? Does this make sense? Y'all got more than money, okay? You can be generous with your space. You can invite your small group over and say, hey, my, my apartment's pretty big. <laughs> you might have that one apartment where you walk in and there's like a couch and then that nothing else, and you're like, oh, this this is actually, there's a lot of sp- space in this apartment. Like, there's, there, you, you know you got, some of y'all got that. And so you can say, hey, I got all the space in the world. Let's have small group here. And when you honor, and when you, when you honor people, and when you give back to God what he's already given to you, he's going to bless that, even if it's not the best. You might not have the coolest house in the world. You might not have the coolest car in the world, but you can use that car to drive people around. Is this making sense? Cool. So we, we loved God because he first loved us. Our love is but the offspring of his love. Our tithe given is a recognition of all that he's bestowed on us. God took the first step. We're just, re- we're just returning that. We're meeting him there, okay? His love for us should s- compel us to love him back. His pursuit of us should compel us to pursue him back. God always takes this first step. 
Okay? So, we're going to pray. I want you guys to, like, really, really think. Search what it, Lord, what is it that I have? What do I have? Practically write it down and then say, how can I give this away? How can I give this away? Sometimes it's, it takes creativity. Ask God to show you how can I give away what you've already given me, okay? Jesus, we love you. God, God, thank you for loving us. Thank you for taking time to speak to us, to reveal yourself to us, Lord. God, I, I'm so grateful that you are a God of great value, that you're nothing like I thought you were, that you're much more than I could ever imagine, God. Thank you for being so generous with what you've given us. Thank you for being so generous with what you've, what you've blessed us with, Jesus. Lord, we love you. Would you speak to us tonight, God?